God has two sections that the Lord wants me to speak from. So we're going to begin from verse 25 onwards. And then I'm going to take you to the first portion of Luke chapter 10. So let's go to Luke chapter 10. And I'm going to read from verse 25 onwards. Luke chapter 10 from verse 25 onwards. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up. And tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Please pray this prayer after me. Lord, open my eyes to see your truth. Lord, open my eyes to see your truth. Lord, open my ears to hear your truth. Lord, open my ears to hear your truth. Lord, open my mind to receive your truth. Lord, open my mind to receive your truth. Lord, open my heart to keep your truth. Lord, open my heart to keep your truth. Let me be a doer of your word and let, not a hearer only. Let me be a doer of your word and not a hearer only. Let me bring forth much fruit. Let me bring forth much fruit. To the praise. To the praise. And glory. And glory. Of God the Father. Of God the Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. I will listen. I will listen. And obey. And obey. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we're going to read from verse 25 onwards. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? Verse 27. So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, the Lord spoke to us over a week ago on this, how walking with God will cause you to receive His strength from God, which will give you the power. As you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, it will give the power from God to love your neighbor, not only as yourself, which is the Old Testament, but to love your neighbors how Jesus loves us, like how Jesus commanded His disciples to love those who are His people, especially just like how Jesus loves us. It talks about the brethren, fellow believers, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must love them just like how Christ loves us. That goes beyond the love that a person can have for himself or herself. So that comes from God Almighty, and that's the First Corinthians 13 love. And then, that is possible, and God spoke to us about that, so we're not going to go into that. We're going to keep going down. Verse 28, and he said to him, so if you have not heard that uh, message, you can just uh, get the message from Stanley, or you should be able to, I, I don't know if it's on the website, but if it's not, then get it from Stanley, and I highly encourage you to listen to that. It'll bless you. Verse 28, and he said to him, you have answered rightly, do this, and you will live. We see that if Jesus says that this is the way to live, that is the way to live, and it applies to us, all of us. If we want to live, we need to love God first with all our hearts, mind, soul, and strength. And then love the way Christ loved us. One step further. Loving our neighbors and ourselves is good. But if you have Jesus Christ living and reigning inside of you, He gives you the power to love your neighbors. Love, love your fellow believers. Like how Christ loves you. So, people who don't know, people who don't know Christ, and you have the same burden, 
that you would have if it was you in that place. And you would do whatever it takes to bring them to Jesus Christ. That's loving your neighbor as yourself. When you look at the believers who are already in the fold of God, they are part of the body of Jesus Christ. You must love them as how Christ loved them. So you take it one more step further. And that is through the Spirit of Christ working inside of you, moving inside of you. As we see further down, verse 29, But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, when you look at this section, (coughs) excuse me, when you look at this section, you don't see the background of this man who went from Jerusalem to Jericho. He went on a business trip. He goes there to do some work to make money. The Bible doesn't say that he should have not been there. He was at the wrong time, wrong place, wrong time. Nothing like that. Nothing about the man over here. The focus is not placed on the man so to speak, about his past or what he did, whether he deserved to be beaten, why he is there, you know, we don't know, maybe he did something, maybe God punished, none of those things here. All Christ said was, a man went from point A to point B, from Jerusalem to Jericho, and there some thieves came and stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. All we see here is a man who was in need. If you take notes, Take this down, write this down. This is about a human being in need. Regardless of what they have done, regardless of what their past is, regardless of who they are, what race they are, what language they speak, doesn't matter. This is a human being created in the image of God who is in desperate need, in pain. He has been taken off of everything he had, beaten, left half dead on the road, no one there to help him. This is the condition of the souls out there. This is what Satan does to every human being who does not have Jesus Christ. If you think that they're looking good on the outside, they're really not. Jesus rightly said, what is inside the tombs? Dead men's bones. So whoever you see on a magazine cover, they're all very good tombs. Stinking bones on the inside. Rottenness on the inside. We must understand, without the blood of Jesus Christ, it's filth on the inside. A human soul without Christ, the Anointed One. Without Christ, the Messiah. Without Jesus, the Savior, is a stinking, depraved, broken, miserable soul on the inside. So, the outside of a person doesn't tell much unless you're able to really see the fruit that is there. Whether it's a good tree or a bad tree. When a person is not a believer and they are attacked by the enemy and they're wounded and left to die, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What did the thieves do? They stole what belonged to this man. 
They almost killed him. They destroyed everything he had and left him half dead. If this man would have been left there for some more hours, he would have been dead. So when you think about this man who was traveling from point A to point B and was put in a situation, he went where he had to go. We don't know everything that surrounds that and the Bible does not give any detail of that because that's not important to us. What is important is this is a soul that is in need. That's all. Regardless of what they've done, what they have not done, doesn't matter. That's a soul in need. When you see that need that is there, you do what Jesus told you to do. Let's go to verse 31. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. What did the priest do? He came by that road. He was right there where this man who was beaten and left to die was laying down. He came over there. He saw him. And what is he doing? He's going the other side to give himself a good image as if he didn't see him. He's saying, I don't want anybody to think that. I'm not helping him. Let me just go to the other side. Many people are like that. Even though they see, they pretend like they don't see. But God Almighty sees everything. When you see a soul in need, when you see someone needing the gospel, when you know a soul has spiritual leprosy, when you, so, when you see that someone is carrying disease of the soul, the disease of the soul, and you have the great physician, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you don't offer it to that person, it will become a sin to you. The Bible says, if you know to do good and if you don't do it, it is a sin for you. May God speak to our hearts at this hour. The Spirit of God is speaking to us at this hour. If you look at the Old Testament, you see that if you find a person with a scab on their skin, when they have the scab, the priest, he tests and sees. What is this scab? Is it leprosy? Once it's confirmed that the person, ha person has leprosy, you know what happens? He is cut off from the people of God. He's put away from the camp of Israel. Removed from the people of God. Removed from God himself. If you're removed from the people of God, you're removed from God himself. Sin is worse than the scab that comes on the skin. Leprosy. The leprosy of the soul is greater than the leprosy of the body. Because the leprosy of the soul destroys the soul and the body. The leprosy of the body just destroys the body. So leprosy of the soul, the leprosy of the soul is greater than or worse than the leprosy of the body. Any physical disease is confined to the body. That's it. But the disease of the soul progresses from the soul to the body. It destroys the soul and the body. And that's why Jesus said, God has the power to destroy both your soul and your body in hell. The soul that sinneth shall die. So when you look at a human being, if you think that, oh, my relative has accomplished this, or he or she, you know, is, 
you know, is a doctor, is a lawyer, or, you know, is an actor, or he, is he this, or she is there, and he's doing music, or he's doing this, or that, whatever it is. If they don't have their soul cleansed and purged by the blood of the Lamb, know this for sure. They are outside the camp of God. They are outside of the people of God. They are cut out of the presence of God unless God heals them. They will never see the light of day. They'll be outside the people of God. They'll be outside the camp of God. They'll be outside the fold of God. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. Never be content because, oh, my child is in school. Oh, my child has a job. Oh, my child is this. Oh, my child is a manager here. Let me tell you, all those things are irrelevant. It's a zero, a big fat zero in the eyes of God and in the eyes of those who are walking with God because it holds nothing before God. Nothing. Nothing. Are we going to be focused on this world? What do we have? Are we focused on this world? What can we give? If you don't give Christ to your family, if you don't give Christ to your generation, if you don't give Christ to your friends, if you don't give Christ to your colleagues, you are doing a disservice to them. If you really love them, you will give Christ to them. You know why? Because they are cut off from the presence of God. They cut out from the family of God. They are not part of the body of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, a little more that the Bible says, which the Holy Spirit wants me to say, which is, they're not the, they're not only not the, they're not only not part of the body of Jesus Christ, but they are the enemies of God. How many of you feel very proud? Hey, my son is a manager, but he's an enemy of God. You must be on your face before God and weep and pray for your family members. When you know that this child that came from my body is an enemy of God, you must be on your face before God that this brother of mine that is my flesh and blood is an enemy of God. That the parents who bore me are enemies of God. The friend that I confide in, the friend that helps me, so to speak, is an enemy of God. When you understand the depth of it, that you are inside. Meanwhile, they have leprosy and they are outside. Cut out. Cut away. Outside the camp of God. And yet, what do we do? We're so happy. As long as you help me and I help you. doesn't matter. You have leprosy. Meanwhile, you know what's happening to them? The leprosy is eating them every day. Every day they're losing something. The leprosy is spreading. The smell is growing stronger. And what are your family members doing? They're getting used to leprosy, so to speak. They're sitting with that leprosy. Where are they sitting? Not in the family of God. Not in the body of Jesus Christ. But where are they? Outside. Where are they? In their leper colony. Guess who is the leader of that leper colony? Satan himself. If... You are not a friend of God. You are an enemy of God. If our family members are not with God, they are against God. How many of you are so happy that your people are against God? May God 
put the burden in your heart to see what is happening the way it is. We don't want to live a fantasy world. You know, there are some wives and some husbands who don't want to really know the truth that their spouses are cheating. They'd rather live a lie than to know the truth. That's foolish. That's being a fool. Just because you don't want to know, you keep yourself in the dark. But what's happening? You're being fooled. You are a fool sitting thinking that, I don't want to know the truth. I don't want to hear the truth. I don't want anybody to come and say, hey, I saw your wife over there with that man. I saw your husband over there with that man. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. And what do you want to think? Everything is fine. When everything is falling apart, suddenly you get the news saying that, goodbye, and the divorce paper comes. How will that be? That's how it'll be. Suddenly one day, death will come and knock on the door. Suddenly one day, before you know, you'll be gone or they'll be gone. It'll be too late at that time. Every day, your family members live for Satan. You need to be weep, weeping and wailing before God and say, God, bring them. Heal them of their spiritual leprosy. My son, my daughter, my parents, my brother, my husband, whoever it is. They are lepers. They're outside the fold of God. While I am inside, they're outside the fold of God. While I am inside, they are outside the fold of God. How can you be content when you are inside and they're outside the fold of God? What kind of a selfish creature have you become if we have no burden for our loved ones? And we say, it's fine. You want food? I'll give you food. You want money? I'll give you money. You want this? I'll give you money. Meanwhile, we have no burden for their souls. May God help us. May God help us. May God help us. May God help us. When we are not able to see what is actually happening to the soul of a person that is going to live forever. This body is going to perish. Who are we trying to fool? Think about that. Your body will perish. My body will perish. And what are we trying to do? This education that we have is going to perish. It's not even going to be there. You know, I remember a person who came to our house some years ago. Probably, I don't know, maybe seven, eight years ago. I'm not sure. He was going to go to medical school. And he went to medical school. When he came to our house, when I laid hands on him and prayed, God showed the state of his life. The Lord gave a very solid warning. You know what he said? People have prophesied over me that I'll be a prophet. Meanwhile, the person had sin in his life. And you know what happened after that? Suddenly we saw he finished his medical school. You know how hard it would have been? You know how much... How much he would have had to give up for that? He finished his medical school. Right after he, medical, he finished his medical school, you know what we found out? Suddenly we found out. That was the same time Pastor Pradeep graduated from his doctoral degree. We found out that the man died. Very young. Very young. Younger than Pastor Pradeep. Died. You know how the family would have been? Oh, he's in medical school. The parents would have been, he's in medical school. The wife would have been, he's in medical school. For everybody, medical school is like heaven. Remember, if your child is not walking with God, your child is in a very dangerous place. As someone prayed over here, who is it? Someone said that, I think Majushit was, Majushit prayed, saying that he heard from his mother that someone who was young in their 30s died in their sleep. First of all, we have to know the reality of life and death. Secondly, if your family members are living and living for Satan and they're living as an enemy of God every day, you cannot eat, you cannot sleep. Will you be able to eat and sleep if you know if your loved ones, they have stage 4 cancer? No. 
Yet we are fine with them. Living for the world, living for Satan every day. Spiritual cancer they have. That's fine with us. Somehow, someday they will. Will we be like that if they have a cancer of their body? Stomach cancer? Lung cancer? How do you think you'll be? How will you be praying? Will you be able to eat and sleep? How come when they have a cancer of the soul? That's perfectly fine. They're enemies of God. That's perfectly fine as long as they don't fight with me. May God help us. May God help us. This is how this priest was. He said, Oh, I see you, but I don't see you. I see you, but I don't see you. Do you know what? God sees you seeing it. And saying that I see you, but I don't see you. And walk the other way. And try to help them with everything. Meanwhile, they have a cancer that is progressing more and more and more. Leprosy that is going further and further and further. May God help us. Light has no fellowship with darkness. Darkness has no fellowship with light. We have the enemies of Christ in our own families. We have the enemies of Christ wherever we are. And these are our own flesh and blood. Our friends, people that we know who are living Actively living for Satan. Actively worshipping this culture. Actively worshipping materialism. Actively worshipping. So actively worshipping education. Actively worshipping food. Every day they get up. You are my God. What is that? Internet. You are my God. Every day morning when they get up. What is that? Food. You are my God. What is that? Money. You are my God. What is that? Work. You are my God. What is that? Position. You are my God. Power. That's their God. Every day they worship. Wherever they go, they look for it. And that's Satan. The God of this world is Satan. Those who live for this world actively have made their choice to live for Satan. Every day they're choosing what? Satan over God. Every day they're choosing to have cancer over healing. Yet it's fine with us. The urgency is not there. It's okay for us. Cancer of the soul, that's fine. What a tragedy. If we as believers think that cancer of the soul is fine. If we as believers see them going down the drain, but we say, that's fine. Oh, they have a house. Oh, they have a car. Oh, they have, you know, a job. Who cares? Who cares? Even if they don't have anything, if they have Jesus, they have everything. That's not stability. That's not stability. That's a person living in a leper colony, living for this world. That's a person who is confined in a place with having cancer every day. Knowing that they're driving, but they're going to die. Knowing that they're living in a house, but they're going to die. They're dying inside every day. Jesus said this, Oh fool, if your soul is required from you today. Where will you go? That's exactly what God is speaking to us today about our loved ones. About our co-workers, about our friends, about our families. He's asking you this question. You're saying you're a child of God? Where's your wisdom? Their soul will be required. What are you going to do at that time? Meanwhile, this person is building barn after barn after barn after barn. Going and playing hockey, playing you know, football, playing soccer, playing baseball, basketball. Faithfully drive the kids. Let's go. Soccer, you are my God. Baseball, I worship you. 
Whatever the challenge for many people, children are their idol God. Fall prostrate before the kids while the kids beat them up. And then get up and worship them again. What a folly. How have we become like this? Let the enemy dominate through kids. Dominate through relatives. Dominate through co-workers. Dominate through peer pressure. Dominate through everything that is out there. Meanwhile, we are called to be the light and salt and bring them to Jesus Christ. Meanwhile, we are trying to be people pleasers. They have more power than you actually. Think about that in your life. Who has more power? Do you have more influence over your family or them? The other way around. They have more power because nobody's listening to you anyway. If you have the light, if you have the power, if you really have power, then they will listen to you. If you really have the power that comes from God and the power and the responsibility as a parent, as a friend, as a mother, as a child, as a sister, you will have that influence over your family to get them do what you want them to do. Meanwhile, you know what? It's other way around. You bow down before them. You bow down before unbelievers who are dominated by Satan in your family. And you give them what they want. Give them what they want. Sell Jesus. Sell Jesus. Sell Jesus. And we say, oh Jesus, I worship you. Heaven is weeping today. Many Christians are like that. No care in the world. You will not be like this. If your child, if your family members, if your parent... If your loved ones, if your friend, if your co-worker will have the same disease of the body. If they have a stage 4 cancer, you will not be like this. You will not be complacent. Oh, they're not coming to church. One day they'll come. Will you be like that if they have stage 4 cancer? One day they'll get better. That's okay. If they don't go to the doctor, even if they live whatever they want to, one day they will. Somehow they will. Will you be like that? No. No. Where's the care for their soul? Do you see the state of their soul? Do you see how God sees it? Do you see that they cut away from God? Yet we say, God will bless you. Say Psalm 23, God is with you. Say Psalm 91. To who? You say in the fold of God. They're outside in the leper colony. You tell them, I'll pray for you. Stay as a leper, my son, my daughter, my loved ones. Stay as a leper. Because that's your choice, you see. I'll pray for you from here. Will we do that? If you know that our family members have cancer, stage 4 cancer and leprosy and they refuse treatment, what will you do? You will do everything you can in your power to fight for them, to put sense in them, to see how you can tell people to speak to them somehow. Get the help they need, won't you? Yet when it comes to their soul, so relaxed. God is seeing everything. The Spirit of God is speaking to our hearts today. God is speaking to our hearts today. Let there be no hypocrisy. Let there be no hypocrisy. There was hypocrisy in this priest that God brought out. God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ brought this out in this parable. Let's just read that. The priest saw that and he went the other way. If you are like that today, seeing what is happening in your family, what is happening at your job? What is happening among your relatives? And you just go the other way. You will be like this priest in the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's continue to read. 32. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. Another very saintly 
person. All white. Very, very religious. Hallelujah all the time. What is he doing? He's doing the exact same thing that the priest did. How come? How come there's no difference? How come there's no compassion for this man? How come there's no sympathy? How come? Aren't you someone who is not only in the family of God, but who is serving God? How are you so different than the one whom you're serving? How are you so different than the God who is your father? Because he did not do that with his people. When he saw them wounded and dying, he went and he cleaned them from their vomit, the Bible says. How come? People who call themselves Christians are so different from the Father in heaven when we are called to be like him. We should be like him if we're carrying his blood. We need to resemble him. But the priest went the other way. He saw, but he acted as if he didn't see. The Levite saw, and he went the other way as if he didn't see. But, verse 33, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. What did he have? Compassion. What did the other people have? No compassion. This man had compassion. He had compassion on the stranger. He had compassion on the human being we never knew. He had compassion on this stranger who was left to die. He had compassion, God's compassion. He was not a Levite. He was not a priest. He was an ordinary person. He was not even a Jew. He was a Samaritan. But what did he have? He had something that these people didn't have. Check yourself in the presence of God. Check yourself in the presence of God. Do you have what this good Samaritan has? When you see people who are wounded, when you see people who are bleeding, when you see people that you know that they are in bondage, it is so obvious in front of you that they are in bondage and they are on their way to hell. You know that. Do you have compassion? Or are you like the priest? Are you like the Levite? Have a title? Hey, I'm a believer. Hey, I'm serving in the house of the Lord. Do you have compassion? Do you know? Do you know that they're going to die? Do you care? Or it's all about me? This Samaritan, he cared for the stranger. He had compassion on the stranger. And he did what the rest of the people didn't do. God is speaking to our hearts today. We need to have compassion with the people in our own home. That's what true love is. You care for their soul and then for their body. That's the right order. You care for the soul of your loved ones and then for their body because the soul is the eternal component that God has made within your body that is going to live forever. Your body is a house for the soul. If you just look at a person and take care of their body, so to speak, and don't take care of their soul. You're doing a great disservice to your loved ones. You're saying that, well, I'll fix your house. Meanwhile, somebody is dying on the inside. They have not seen the sun. They've not seen the trees. They're in the house. 
You're coming and saying, I'll fix your door, I'll fix your window, I'll do these things. Meanwhile, don't treat them at all. Every day, hey, I love you so much, honey. Mwah. You think that that's going to get them out from the sickbed? No. You think that that's going to make them well? No. They are there every day. Stinking, being in their own vomit. No shower, nothing. And you come, fix the house. Hey, I put some flowers here today. Bye, thank you. Mwah. That's it. That's what we do. That's what we do to our family members. Hey, you have money for this? Hey, you have you know food over here? Hey, you don't have this? I'll send this to you. Umma. Meanwhile, what's happening? Inside, they're stinking. Inside, they're in the dark. Inside, they're bound. And guess what? Every day we do that. What kind of compassion do we have? The genuine compassion will make us to go on our knees to knees before God and say, Lord, save them, save them, save them. I'm not going to stop crying out to you until I see them saved. Not just, oh, Father, I pray that you will, you know, touch them and, you know, heal them. And, and um, you know, I know somehow someday you will heal them. And thank you, Lord. And uh, let's let's get the, the food. What's for dinner? Will we do that if they're in the hospital and you know that only 24 hours has been given to them. So they can live. We won't. Yet when it comes to the soul, it's fine. We fight so much for the house that is housing the soul. Fight so much for the house that is housing the soul. Meanwhile, the soul that is on the inside that has to live forever, which is an enemy of God, which has cancer, which is dying. If it is not dealt with, if God doesn't intervene, there's no hope. The real person, we're not helping the real person. We're not dealing with the real person. It's okay. It's okay. Is it okay? You answer this question before God Almighty. Honestly answer before Him. This is because the question that's from God. Is it okay? Is it okay to come in, paint the house, or put some flowers over there? Meanwhile, they're there in their sickness, wallowing in their own vomit, in their own filth. But we're not going to the great physician and pleading, please, 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 doctor, help them. Please, doctor, help them. When we do that, if your child is dying, won't you do that? Won't you go go from one specialist to the other, another specialist and plead with them? Somehow help, somehow help. Please help. We'll do anything. You know, there are some parents who say, I'll give you my kidney. I'll give you this. I'll give you that. I'll give anything. I'll sell my house. I'll do anything. Please save the life of my child. Won't we do that? I mean, if we really love, we will. But when it comes to the soul, how many of you are going to God Almighty, the physician of all physicians, saying, please, please, Lord, please, Lord, not another day, please, Lord. And cry out for them day and night. Well, didn't he say that if you cry out to him day and night, that he will come and he will avenge you? He will deliver your child from that cancer. He will deliver your mother from that leprosy. He will deliver your family member from whatever Satan has them bound to. Don't we serve a living God? Don't we worship a living God? Isn't he the Jehovah Rapha, the mighty healer? Who does healings of the soul and the body? 
healing is the mind, soul, body, spirit. He is the ultimate healer, the great physician, the greatest physician. Yet, we don't take our loved ones to Jesus. We don't. We're content. We come to the hospital. We come to the inn. We come and get our breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We come to the table. We are at the king's table. Meanwhile, our children are out there by the trash can somewhere, wandering in the streets. Away from God. Outside the table of God. Outside the house of God. Outside the palace of God. It's fine. How can you eat? How can you eat? How can you sit and eat at the king's table when you know your loved ones are outside, wandering outside? That they have not tasted the king's royal food. They don't even know what it tastes like. They're outside wandering all over. Wondering, you know what it takes to really get them to, you know, there are some kids who will not go to the hospital. There are some kids who will not want to get treated. But somehow you plead and somehow you get to. Whoever will help to put some sense in them to get the treatment that they need. You have to be like that. If your family members are people who are like those would resist who would say I hate you I don't want to come to the king's table I like eating from the garbage can you know that at that time over here it's not right you need the physician of all physicians at that point to come and fix that to come and bring that healing what will you do what should you do you will do what a mother or a father will do or a child who knows that they are family member is dying to go and beg and plead with the doctors please 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 somehow save my family you'll go to God night and day night and day there is power in prayer there is power in prayer don't say that oh five years from now somehow they don't even think that don't even think five years from now somehow they'll come to the Lord you know I heard from one of our church uh, family members here a couple of weeks ago they said we thought that you know my niece would be fine 30 something years old dead dead and their floor in the house nobody thought that they would die that's all our own thinking meanwhile what's happening they're dying on the inside and everybody is fine talking to them but what has happened person is gone where are they gone to a place that the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched Think about that. Never think that. Oh, five years from now, ten years from now, somehow they will come. It never happens somehow. Know the urgency. And be someone who would cry out to the great physician and say, Please, Lord, I need my child with me when I eat at the king's table. I need my child with me. In the family of God, not somewhere in some leper colony or abandoned in some nursing home somewhere. But all the sick people are there. If your child is not in the house of God, your child is with some, all kinds of sick people out there. That's what is really happening. They're all with the lepers in the leper colony outside the city of God. They're not able to be in the society with healthy people. They're all in a facility where all sick people are there. They're not seeing the light of day. They don't know what the glory of God is. They don't know what the presence of God is. They don't know what the blessing of God is. They don't know what freedom is. 
And here we are, fine, taking care of the external structure, trying to show ourselves as good family members. That's not good, by the way, not in the sight of God. We may have a sense of goodness. Oh, I'm such a good parent. I'm doing everything. I'm such a good daughter. I'm just a good you know, son or I'm just a good friend or whatever. But in God's eyes, we're not good. We're not good. Because we have not done what is absolutely necessary for their soul with everything that is within us. With everything that is within you. Is your conscience clear before God standing here today? Saying that, God, I've been doing everything in my power to get my child or my husband or my wife or my parents or my friends or my relatives, whoever it is, to live, to be healed. Bringing this person to you every single day. If you've not done that, do it from today. Do it from today. Don't be like the priest. Don't be like the Levite. Don't give excuses. Because once a human being is gone, it's gone. He's gone. She's gone. By the way, if they're living, they're still living a very miserable life because they are enemies of God. From our own womb, from our own family, from our own flesh and blood, our own friends, they're all who? Enemies of God. If they are not for the Lord. Our hearts should weep, should bleed when we think about the state of our family, our friends and our loved ones. I pray that God will give you the burden today and make you see what I'm seeing. If you don't have the burden, if you're not able to see, something is wrong with you. That needs to be fixed first. Because if you can't see, if you don't know what diseases, if you don't know that this disease will cause death, then you're not going to know the seriousness of it. That's what God is doing today. He is showing the seriousness of the condition of the souls of those who are not on the Lord's side. What happened here? We're going to finish in a few minutes. But a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was and he saw him and he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him and whatever more you spend. When I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? What did the Samaritan do? Who didn't, who was not a Jew? What did he do? He did something very different from those who claim to be one among the people of God. He went, he had compassion. First thing was, as soon as he saw, he said, Oh my God, I can't believe this happened. I got to help this man. He was no longer riding on his own donkey. He got off his donkey. That's the first thing he did. He stopped everything. He stopped everything for that one man. That's what real concern is. Not saying that, oh, I'm so sorry. Anybody can say that, I'm so sorry. But he looked at him, he had compassion on him, and he did something about it. What did he do? 
he went to him and he bandaged his wounds. He saw what was there and he saw what was wrong and he worked towards fixing that. He didn't say, well, I'll come tomorrow. Right now I have a meeting and this is more important. No. He said, I'm going to fix this bandage. I'm going to fix this wound. I'm going to bandage this wound. God is speaking to you at this hour. When you see the state of your flock, when you see disease there, when you see devastation here, what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? Are you someone who is taking the matter to God and being an agent that is used by God to fix the problem, to bandage the wound of the person? Are you there to bandage the wound or let them bleed and say, well, that's okay. They're not going to die. That's ignorance. That's being cold. No compassion. That's being self-centered. Very callous. We may all think that we're really holy and really tender-hearted and all kinds of things. We may be thinking until God comes and stands before us like how he came and stood before Isaiah. That's what God is doing today. He's exposing the hearts of people to show what is needed here. What needs to be done. Treatment is needed right here in this house of God. Only then you can go and take care of your family. Because if you're not able to see the state of your flock, if you're not able to see anything, it's fine, I'm praying. God will somehow bring, they'll come, they'll come. I know they'll come. Really? Wow. Will you say like that if they're going to die tomorrow? I know, I prayed God, you know, I know they'll be fine. That's it. You know how many of you will go and tell everybody, you know, to see if you can get the help you need. At that time, you're not going to be ashamed of saying it. Many people are so ashamed of other people knowing what is really happening. So you put on a show. Oh, my kids are godly. Oh, my parents are godly. My entire generation is godly. Well, that's not what God says. That's not what God says. Be real. If somebody is dying in your family... Say, this person is dying in my family. We need to take care of that. As a family of God, we're going to fight for this person's soul. And you, as an immediate family member, be on your knees before God and weep and mourn before God. Wear the garment of mourning until you see your loved ones come back to life. That is important. Those are the ones who see their dead back to life. When you're really serious and adamant and have the garment of mourning before God and say, God, I am not going to stop until I see my dad come back to life. Those are the ones who will see your family members saved. Not because we just got a promise. But getting the promise is very important, but getting the promise fulfilled requires your involvement. How desperate are you? How sincere are you? Praise be to God. We're going to see for a couple of more minutes and we're going to go into prayer after that. Let's um, So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. Compassion is... You give up whatever you need to give up so that someone else can live. 
You call that sacrifice. You give up what you need to give up so that someone else can live. You call that sacrifice. How many times as a mother, when your children are younger, or even if they're sick, you give up sleep? It's sacrifice. You don't go around saying, well, I'm sacrificing. I'm saying, no. It's understood. If you're a mom, you sacrifice. If you're a dad, you sacrifice because that's your own flesh and blood. You do it because you love them. But you see, the Samaritan, he sacrificed for a stranger. He sacrificed for a stranger. He left everything that he was going to do. He got down from the donkey. Well, he was going to sit and ride. He put the man on that. He bandaged his wounds by cleaning everything and making sure. He's really doing the first thing that he has to do, sincerely doing, because he didn't want the man to die. His whole goal was, I want to save him, I want to save him, I want to save him, I want to save him. Every time we, we deal with our family members who are not saved, when you have that, I want to save them, I want to save them, I want to save them. You need to do what you should do. You should be able to see the wounds first. You should be able to see the cancer first. You should be able to see the leprosy first. If you can't see, then you won't be able to help them. This is why you need to go to God and ask God for a heart change for yourself. Go to God and ask God for a clearer vision for yourself. To know the state of my family and to not do anything about it is a sin. It's a terrible thing. To not even be able to see the state of my family, it's even worse. Because you don't even know. Some people die knowingly, some people don't die. Some people die unknowingly. The result is they die. When you know that there is a sickness, and you are catching that at the early stage and you are treating the person, the person lives. But when you say, that, ah, that's okay, I don't want to treat that, then the person dies. When you look at sin and when you look at your family who is going through stuff, that you know that they are wounded, they are left to die, and this is what is happening to them. The enemy has done that. You need to be someone who can see what is happening. And you need to be someone who can bandage their bones. You need to be someone who is able to bring them to the inn, to the presence of God, so that they can be taken care of. Now we cannot say that, oh, they'll be fine. The good Samaritan didn't do that. He didn't bandage him and he didn't leave them where he was. He didn't leave him where he was. He carried him, put him on his own donkey and he brought him to the inn. And he made sure the innkeeper knew his condition. That's what caring is. That's what loving is. That's what real love is. Again, I want to say that real love is not painting the house and putting some flower over there, flowers over there and saying that, God bless you, my son, God bless you, my daughter, leaving them in their own filth. It's really going and taking care of them, making sure that they're clean, making sure that they're taking the medicine, making sure that they're getting well, making sure you call their doctor, making sure you're talking to the doctor, making sure that you're bringing them back to health, making sure that they are fully healed. Until then, you can't sleep. You shouldn't sleep. If you care for your soul, that's how you will take it. That's how serious you will take it. The good Samaritan saved the life of that man who would have been otherwise dead. 
if you don't intervene in the lives of your loved ones, their end will become tragic. Never think that because I'm praying every day or one line prayer to God, somehow God is bound to bring them to salvation. It doesn't work that way. This is a fight for their soul. Just like how you'll fight for someone in the ICU. There's a fight for their soul greater than the fight for someone's body. You need to be a fighter on your knees before God and do whatever you need to do to get the word, to get them in. It's your job. Your job. How you somehow get the person to the hospital is your job. Somehow bring them to the presence of God. But you pray though. You need to pray. You need to be on your knees before God and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. You need to do that. That's what the man did. The good Samaritan bandaged his wounds. He put him on his donkey. Then he brought him to the inn. He didn't say, well, I'll just put him on the donkey and take him to the inn. And just, he didn't leave him bleeding. He would have been dead by the time he came to the inn. You need to do what you need to do. Be on your knees before God and pray. Don't just say, well, I'm not going to just pray. You know, I'm just not going to fast. I'm just going to, you know, you know, pray. When I say pray, pray like you should pray. Just telling them, okay, I need to get this obligation done. Just let me just bring them to the church one Sunday and, and somehow expect some magic to happen. It's not going to happen. You need to pray. Your involvement is important. You need to bandage the wound. You need to do what you have to do for your loved ones. Then bring them to the inn. They will recover there. They will be healed there. But your involvement in the lives of your loved ones is very crucial. God is speaking to hearts today. This was not planned as every message is not planned. It's from the throne of God to the hearts of the people of God. From the mouth of God to the hearts of the people of God. Word for word, God has spoken. God stands here to witness that. If you take any offense with me, you're taking offense with God Almighty. God has spoken. And we're in the presence of God. If you really want God to move in your family, you must pray with a deep burden. You must cry out to God and say, Oh God, save my loved ones. Oh God, save my parents. Oh God, save my children. Oh God, save my brothers and sisters. Oh God, save my wife. Oh God, save my husband. Save my colleague, whoever it is. You need to have that burden for their souls and cry and pray. Just like I said before, you go and say, Doctor, please, doctor, please, doctor, please. Somehow, doctor, somehow save them. Do something. Is there anything? Is there one more thing that you can do? You would do that. Go do that with God. Do that with God and say, Lord, I will not let you go. Save my child. Save my husband. Save whoever it is. You need to pray. You need to knock Knock effectively so that the door is open for you. You need to seek really with all your heart so that you can find what God has for you. You want your dead back to life? You need to do what you have to do. You need to get down from your donkey. You need to bandage. You need to carry them on your donkey. You need to take them to the end. And there they will live. Shall we close our eyes and look to the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. 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 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If it have made Christianity just a religion, then you need to ask God for forgiveness because it is not a religion. It is the path to life and it is life itself. If you made Christianity all about you, then you have to ask God for forgiveness because it's not about you. It's about God who saved you and about God using you to save others. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Let the Spirit of God bring His presence to where you are at this hour. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Our God is a miracle-working God. The Jewish men lived because someone did something about his situation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus Christ is there in the inn. Jesus Christ is there in the inn to bring that healing. Hallelujah. But you need to do what you have to do. Get down from the donkey. Stop what you're doing. Bandage. Wipe the wound. Do what you have to do. Use the word. Use the oil, the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Be on your knees before God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, you, Lord. Give me a heart for the broken give me your heart for love love I want to have your compassion let me be
for this time. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to hear the voice of the living God. That you don't hide anything from your people. Because you want us to know the truth and only the truth can set us free. Hallelujah. Only the truth can set us free. We don't want to live a lie. We don't want to be hidden behind a lie. We want the truth. And that's why we're here. And I thank you Lord that you have given your truth to us so that we can live we can live we can live in your freedom hallelujah that our loved ones can be set free because of the truth that you've given thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord thank you father thank you father thank you lord i break every chain right now in jesus name in the name of jesus christ of nazareth every demonic hindrance every evil spirit that is holding our loved ones captive. Every form of spiritual leprosy and spiritual cancer, Jesus. spiritual polio, spiritual blindness, spiritual deafness, spiritual muteness, spiritual retardation. Every form of spiritual death. Jesus. 
may be reversed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. That your people do what they are supposed to do in the presence of God. Yes, Lord. That they may do their part. They may stop everything. That they may pay attention to those who are wounded in their family. Those who are outside the camp of God. Those who need to be cleansed and bandaged and be brought to the inn in their own donkey, upon their own donkey. Hallelujah. While they walk and do this great work that would cause their loved ones to live. They walk by carrying their loved ones on their donkey. They walk the donkey that's carrying their loved ones to the inn. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. May your people be on their knees, on their faces before God, night and day, and cry out to God so that their loved ones may live, that they may be spared from the wrath of God, that they may be healed from their leprosy and they may be brought into the family of God, that they may no longer be the enemies of God, that they may be the children of God. Thank you, Father. As the ten lepers came to you and you healed them, you cleansed them, they were able to go and show themselves to the priests and go back to their own family. They were able to live with their family, no more to live in that leper colony. Hallelujah. No more. I pray that you do the same for your people and their families. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Jesus. You're faithful. You're faithful. You're coming very soon. Hallelujah. You're coming very soon. You're coming very soon. May we do everything that we should do. May we do everything that we can do. May we do everything that we must do. And even more. That our lives may be poured out as a living sacrifice, as an offering before God Almighty. That when we see you face to face, we may not be ashamed, but we may stand with confidence that we've done everything that our God has called us to do giving our everything to the one who gave his all for us. With this blessing, I bless your people, Lord, this night, that the burden of the Lord may grip their hearts, that their souls may be steady in the ways of the Almighty God, that they may go home with a passion and with God's compassion for the lost for those who are plagued with the disease of the soul, which is unto death, that they may bring those who are cut off from the presence of God into the presence of God, that there be no family member who is an enemy of God any longer. Let there be no family members, O Lord, who are cut away from the presence of God 
Let there be rejoicing in the house of God. Let there be rejoicing in the families of the people of God. If they all recover and receive their dead back to life by paying the price, by doing what they should do, by being the good Samaritan that God wants them to be to their own loved ones, to their own homes, in their own workplaces, wherever you place them, O oh Father. And I thank you, Lord, for doing this. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, Jesus. for giving us your word. Thank you, Lord, for showing us the Good Samaritan story. is not just given by you to show how to help people, people's creaturely needs, form hospitals with the same name and charitable organizations. But being a good Samaritan in your eyes, first and foremost for every one of your children, is to know the state of our loved ones after getting ourselves treated by the great physician to have our lives prioritized correctly, to put you and your kingdom first. And then, Lord, as we are spiritually well and able to see to intercede in prayer for our loved ones who are not ready to meet you. That, Lord, we'll be good Samaritans, taking of our substance, of our time, our energy, suffering inconvenience, to use all you've given, Lord, those who have cars and empty seats as we're driving to church, to fill that vehicle that God has given with souls, that's the reason God has given us vehicles, the reason God has given us everything we have, so that we can draw people into your kingdom. Because other, apart from that, everything is in vain. There's no gain at all in the end. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for showing us, Lord, that we can be a good Samaritan, first to our own families, by telling them the truth and the whole truth, and nothing but the truth from Jesus Christ that they need to put God first, otherwise they'll suffer the loss of their souls. Because you're the one that said, whoever will come after me, Matthew 16, 24, you said, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. That means nobody can come to you and be with you. No matter how long they've been going to church, how many churches they've planted, what they've done in your name, unless they lay down their lives, take up the burden that you're given to bring souls to follow you faithfully. Thank you, Lord. This is the message Jesus. that we need to tell our families. Is God first, not out of sentiment, out of putting things on the wall or saying I'm a Christian. But a Christian is one who's of Christ who will follow the light. And leave darkness. Thank you, Lord, that your spirit is working. Your spirit is exposing the hearts, showing whether we're ready to meet you ourselves or not, and whether our loved ones are ready to meet you or not. And Lord, as we heard, people in their 30s have died. Just in their 30s, Lord. And some barely passing 40. Medical doctors have died. Other kinds of people have died. People we know. As Majesh prayed earlier, 
the beginning, every breath is a mercy from God. Now, what are we doing with that breath? We're supposed to use it to bring honor to Jesus, not just to settle ourselves well, make sure we're okay and our family has enough food and all the amenities of life and ability to travel and enjoy. It's all in vain unless we have a burden with our families to do God's will. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't hold anything back. But you spoke and you performed that spiritual surgery that we need so that we can be extra alert because the time is short before you return. Thank you, Father. We praise you and thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for this great privilege to be in a setting where we can hear the truth as it is in Christ Jesus. Nothing watered down, nothing left out, nothing reworked and repackaged to suit people's own desires, but what heaven wants to send so we can conform ourselves to your will. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Lord. And Father, we trust you that as we pray, like never before, and as we continually pray, that our family members would come into the fold of God, not just think they're Christians, but actually be Christians by following Jesus and keeping your commandments. We know, Lord, you're stirring up the waters. And Lord, whoever jumps in will get healed. Mm -hmm. Whoever takes the message and begins to pray over it, begins to say, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me, is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, the spiritually poor, impoverished among our own family who don't know you. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to bring recovery or recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are crushed, oppressed and bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, that this is the time. Oh God, I thank you, Lord, for the analogies you have drawn. How, Lord, if anyone here would have a child that is on the verge of death, how we would stop everything and do everything, give up everything so the child can live, plead with the doctors. Oh God, help us to plead with you, the great physician. Be willing to set aside our convenience and give our beast, the donkey, the vehicle, the resources, the energy, the time, the sweat, everything to wrestle with God like Jacob and procure a blessing, to attain a blessing that our loved ones are safe because we've given them the truth through the power of the Spirit. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord, that this day has been a fruitful day. Your word has come down from heaven and stirred your Jesus. people's hearts. Jesus. Lord, we're going to see a harvest come in. Family members that kept resisting, that have kept saying, I know, I know, Mom, leave me alone with that stuff. I'm not interested in church. God would do something to bring them to the end of themselves. That They would come and surrender to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. No longer worship education. No longer worship money. No longer worship people and fame and popularity. No longer worship position. No longer worship nature. No longer worship their bodies and how they look, their image. No longer worship family status and image to the people. To count all of those things as garbage, as the Apostle Paul said. They may know the excellency that's in Christ. And having that, to show that to our people, they can follow to have everlasting life. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Thank you, Father.
We praise you and magnify you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God the Father and the sweet fellowship of his Holy Spirit rest and remain with us all now and until we see Jesus face to face. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus.